Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and Chavruta, Yerdena Azband. Our daf of the day, Masachat Sukkah, daf Mem Vav, page 46. So at the end of, towards the end of Amud Aleph, we have here two reflections, I would say, by Chazal, on establishing certain halachot of certain brachot. Tanar Abanan, ha'oseh sukkah la'atzmo, amer baruch shechianu v'chulei. So the question here really underlying it all is what is the bracha that you say on the phenomenon of moving into your sukkah, living in the sukkah for the week of Sukkot? And so Chazal say that when you make your sukkah, right, you could say she'achiyanu. And when you go in to dwell in your sukkah, you say the mitzvah asher kidishanu, that God commanded us to make a sukkah, to dwell in a sukkah. Hayta asuya. If you come to a sukkah that's already up, right, you didn't build it yourself. Well, then the question is, can you do something to kind of refresh it or renew it? In which case you would then make a bracha. And if you can't, then at the time that you go in to, to dwell in it, meaning to eat your meal or whatever, that's when you would make you would make two blessings, meaning both the one that says that we're commanded in the mitzvah, and the second one, presumably, again, um, uh, and then here we have the closest, I would say, to our general practice, right? That um, one who, Rav Ashi says that he saw Rav Kahana say all of these brachot over the cup when he recites Kiddush. Which is basically, I think, what the at least that's a very prominent practice. I don't, I can't say everybody does it, and certainly there are plenty of people who say shachiano at the time that they light candles as opposed to saying it at the kiddush. But this is a recognition of, I would say, there's a tension in the mitzvah of living in a sukkah because mitzvot that are have that kind of ongoing perpetual time aspect become very hard to say. Oh, I'm making a bracha on the doing of it, but the building of the sukkah. Itself, while it's a mitzvah, it's also not, it's not something that is done on Sukkot. And how you do it, you know, we've seen all these different cases, going back to the beginning of the Masachet, where you could come upon a, a sukkah in the wilderness and use it, you know, as is, and you would still count it as a sukkah, right, without, without making any changes to it. And so the phenomenon of building a sukkah is not usually where anybody, at least nowadays, will make the bracha. We make the bracha on the phenomenon of living in the sukkah, but you can't make a bracha on the ongoing time of it. So we make a bracha when we sit down to eat. And the first time we sit down to eat is usually with Kiddush. So then Rav Kahana's practice makes, you know, utmost sense and certainly is what has followed us through the generations. Now we have another statement, another Tanah but on a new brighter. Um, someone has several mitzvot before you to fulfill. And your data, this reminds me of when you were talking before, you know, quite some time ago about um, you know if you're busy with one mitzvah and then another mitzvah comes your way what are you supposed to do so there's a bracha here that I've never seen us as a practical thing right but the idea is that you have several mitzvot to, to do you can make one bracha and kind of cover all of them in this in this bracha of ashir kiddushanu God you know sanctified us and commanded us to do mitzvot in general um, but Rabbi Yehuda says, no, you make a bracha on each one of them, each one of those mitzvot, and that is certainly what we would do today. 
And there you have the Psak, right, saying that this, the halacha is like Rabbi Huda's position, which is you make a bracha on each one, um, but in and of its own right. Once we've quoted them, we're going to quote this whole line again up, this whole lineup again. What is Rabbi Huda's rationale? We have a verse from Tehillim 68, um, where it says, right, the idea that we blessed is God day by day, or every day, depending on how you translate yom yom. By yom and the varchinoto, uvalayla and the varchinoto. Then the the Gemara asks this question: Like, does that mean that you should only make brachot um, during the daytime, but not in the nighttime? Ela bala marlecha bechol yom vayom teinlo mein brachotav hachanami bechol davar v'davar teinlo mein brachotav. So the Gemara says, no, it doesn't mean don't make brachot in the night. It means that every day you each and every day you make brachot, and the idea is that if you can make brachot each and every day, then you can make them on each and every mitzvah. The repetition, therefore, is not inappropriate. But you don't have to come and like lump them all together and say all mitzvot. So I think that the I, I think that we can take from these two passages, these two brightot, and understand that it's kind of I would say something in the nature of brachot that on the same way that you can make a bracha on each and every one, right? The act of doing each and every mitzvah. It reminds me, I think, that for a sukkah, for the brachot of sukkot, which are several, right? We've got all of the dalaminim ones, meaning every day. And we've got all the leishev basukah brachot that we make. There still has to be an act that you come to do, and that the bracha goes on the act. And so the shachiana, we, we don't make so often, right? But the idea that you're coming to sit down to have a meal, and that's going to count. It's going to kind of envelop the whole bracha of leishev basukah all of the rest of the dwelling that you do as well, um, but you need an act to go along with it. it. It doesn't spell it out here. It spells it out elsewhere. But I, I think that this is the, the crux of what we're talking about. It's a great question the Gemara asks, you know, because the sukkah is an ongoing mitzvah. And so how many times you're going to keep making brachot? I, it's not a question I ever thought of, but really actually made a lot of sense. And, you know, I, I've had sukkot that I've spent with my family where it almost was like a game how many different sukkahs could we uh, visit and how many times would we say Leif Sheva sukkah? But this Gemara, you know, made me reframe that experience a little bit differently. And so I guess the questions are, you know, it's visiting different sukkot um, and also just even the piece of, you know, entering and re-entering the same sukkah over and over again. Yeah, I think so. And I think also there's something kind of invigorating about it because, you know, People like to make brachot, I think, right? There's something like, ooh, do I get to make the bracha now? And that, I think, is by design, right? Like, let's keep that excitement each and every day. I, that, I think that's a nice way to look at it also, that I do think people like making the bracha. So, you know, this Gemara, I think, sort of tries to tease some of this out. Um, I'm going to move on to Amit Bet, where there's a really interesting uh, minhag that the Mishnah talked about, which was that on... The seventh day, well, it just says that the children, right, after, you know, fulfilling the, 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 the mitzvah of lulav on the seventh day, children would take their lulavim, unbind them, and eat the etrogim right away, right? Sort of this sign of, of, of joy or the simcha of Yom Tov. And the Gemara makes the following comment. I'm a Rabbi Yochanan, etrog vashvi asor, vashmini mutar. So Rabbi Yochanan says, you are not allowed to basically get any type of uh, pleasure 
uh, or benefit from the etrog on the seventh day, but on the eighth day, it's okay. Sukkah, afilu bashmini. And sukkah, even on the eighth day, right, it is, you can't even get any uh, benefit from the sukkah. But Reish Lakish Amar, etrog, afilu bashmini, Reish Lakish says, even on the seventh day, you can get some benefit from the etrog. In other words, once you did lulav, at some point during the day, you fulfilled your mitzvah, then you can go ahead and do whatever you want to do with the etrog itself. So now the Gemara wants to understand what this machlokas is between Rabbi Yochanan and Rish Lakish. But my kama fligei mar savar lemitzvata itkatze umar savakule yoma itkatze. So one holds that it's you know basically once the etrog gets set set aside for the mitzvah and it's been fulfilled. You, you did the mitzvah. And the other one holds, no, the whole day is basically set aside for the mitzvah. So it's not about when you perform the mitzvah. It's the idea that the entire day you could have done the mitzvah of lulav with your etrog, and that's why you have to wait. Um, and so then the Gemara goes on to say, ATV Reish Lakish, the Rabbi Yochanan. So Reish Lakish basically objects to Rabbi Yochanan. Miyad coach shomtim et lulaveyam v'ochlin etrogeyam. And he basically quotes this Mishnah where he says, the Mishnah says, um, you know, basically, miyad, immediately after doing the mitzvah, the children remove their lulavim and they eat their etrogim. My love, kuladim likadolim. And so the question is, why wouldn't this also be true for adults? In other words, if the children are allowed to use those etrogim on the seventh day, which is basically what the Mishnah describes, why wouldn't that also be true for, uh, you know, for adults, right? Lab tinokot. And so Rabbi Yochanan basically says, no, the Mishnah is basically telling us something that is very specific to children because children are not obligated in the mitzvah of lulav, right? Because they're children. And so therefore they can use the etrog because it's not like, uh, you know, it's not set aside for them for the whole day because basically, you know, they, they fulfilled their mitzvah and what's done is done basically. So he, so it's interesting to see the Rabbi Yochanan does make a distinction here between adults and children. Then the Gemara goes on to show a different version of this exchange, right? Eka de Amri, Etive Rabbi Yochanan, Lurish Lakish. So now instead it's Rabbi Yochanan objects to Rish Lakish. Miyata Tino Kotchem Timit Lulavim, Bochina Etrogan, Tino Kotin Gdolim Lo. So it's the reverse. Rabbi Yochanan says to Rish Lakish, no, it's only children who can use the Etrog on the seventh day and not adults. Who And so Rish Lakish would basically answer back, no, the same is true. It's the same deen, the same halacha for adults. And the reason why the Mishnah basically teaches a specific halacha about children is because it's typically children who would do this with the etrogim and not with adults. But when the Mishnah says it, it means it's anybody can use the etrog on the seventh day. Now then, so that was, you know, the original accounting of two versions of this machlokas between Rabbi Yochanan and Rish Lakish. And now we have Rav Papa talking to Abaye. Amr le Rav Papa le Abaye. Rabbi Yochanan, maishna sukkah, maishna etrog. So according to Rabbi Yochanan, right, who says that basically an object is set aside for the entire day, and that's why you can't use the etrog, right? What is different with a sukkah that it even would be prohibited on an eight, on the eighth day but the etrog, the etrog is not prohibited on the eighth day. You can use the etrog on the eighth day. Amrle, so Abaye answers, sukkah de chaze levein hashmashot, right? With a sukkah, 
you could still even use it, Bain Ashmashos, towards the end of the seventh day. Because let's say somebody wants to eat, right? At that period of time, he's still required to sit in the sukkah and he has to eat in the sukkah. So therefore what? Um, so basically the sukkah is set aside even till the end of that seventh day, even till Bain so once it's set aside to that Bain Ashmashos period, we're also going to say it's set aside for the eighth day. Etrog, the low has but an etrog, which is never going to be used at Bain Ashmashos, right? What does he basically answer? So it's not set aside for Bain Ashmashos, and therefore that set aside-ness doesn't roll over into the eighth day. So Abayi makes a very interesting distinction about the difference between sukkah and etrog, which must be the underlying reason why Rabbi Yochanan says, even on the eighth day, you can't use your sukkah for just whatever you want to use it for. And the reason is, is that a sukkah really, really can be used anywhere up to the end of that seventh day. If, if let's say Sukkot ends at seven o'clock and you want to eat something at 630, you would have to go and eat it in your sukkah. So therefore, it really could be used the entire seventh day. Um, and so, you know, so we have to, so that's why the eighth day, you know, it still would have to be set aside. Whereas in Etrog, there's still, as much as he says, you have to wait the entire day, there's still an understanding that, yes, you'll have to wait the whole seventh day, but really you're going to be done using the Etrog much earlier in the day. And finally, Levi's going to comment here, but Levi Amar etrog afilu bashmini asur. Levi says even on the eighth day, the etrog is going to be asur. But Abu Shmuel Amar and Abu Shmuel says etrog bashviyeh asur, bashmini mutar. But Abu Shmuel says no, etrog is only asur on the seventh day, but on the eighth day it is mutar. Kam Abu Shmuel bishitate de Levi, right? But what happens? Um, and this, sorry, this is the, the father of Shmuel. I should have explained this a little bit better. So then it says that, oh, what happens? Eventually he assumes or he takes the opinion of Levi. And Rabbi Zera, he takes the opinion of the father of Shmuel, right? And that an etrog, which was made unfit for whatever reason, it's still prohibited to eat it on the seventh day, because it still was sort of set aside for the mitzvah itself. Um, so I think it was interesting to see sort of, you know, this cute little line that's in that Mishnah about a cute custom that the children would do actually involves a very serious halachic discussion afterwards, which is when do we sort of say these mitzvot are completed? And, you know, you can just go ahead and sort of use the etrog and use the sukkah. And I think, again, going and going back to what you talked about, we see that there's something different about a sukkah. A sukkah has this like continuousness of mitzvah. At any time, you could be sitting in that sukkah. And so I think that's reflected in the opinion of Rabbi Yochanan that says even on the eighth day, you can't use it because it's too close to when it was still allowed to be used. Um, and so I think this all highlights a very unique piece about the mitzvah of sukkah, that it's not just like, oh, you lit Hanukkah candles. Oh, you took, you benched with your lulav and esrog. There's something about the sukkah itself, and I think maybe that's reflected also in Basukut Basukot Teshvu Shivat Yamim, right? You have to really like live in that sukkah for for seven days 
it has this continuousness to it that I think is reflected in the opinion of Rabbi Yochanan. Yes, I like it very much. I keep thinking about how complicated the mitzvot of Sukkot, Sukkot are because, because they're really different from each other, right? Like there's not, I don't know, I, I, when I think about the other holidays, so, you know, Shavuot doesn't have any distinct mitzvot that we do nowadays. You know, there were some korbanot in the Benamikdash. And Pesach, right, aside from the korban Pesach, which we also don't do nowadays, right, so much of it is, it's all like eating mitzvot, right? I mean, I guess that's not quite true. We clean our houses, we get rid of the chametz, and then we have matzah. But it's all surrounding the same, like the same mean um, cog, right? In the wheel of mitzvot, we've got the chametz side of it, and we've got the matzah side of it, and and that's how it works. But Sukkot, where where it's all, I don't know, gidule karka, right? We're all talking about um, that which grows from the ground, but still dwelling in a sukkah versus taking a little of an etrog are really like fundamentally feel different in terms of the the practice of them. I suppose they're both recognizing Hashem is above us and, and we rely on him. I think that there's something underlying that does link them, but it's not an obvious, it's not obvious in the experience of it. Not to me anyway. Yeah. And I, I you know, I think when we started this Masachet and now we're coming to the end of the Masachet, we were like, okay, it's Sukkah. It should be easy. And I, appreciate some of these complexities that we're starting to see in how the mitzvot are observed themselves. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us reviews on all major podcasts. Thank you to Rabbi Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. 